0: Praise God. Now, if you are thinking that um, we forgot the offering, you're wrong. Okay, it is coming, I can assure you. And um, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit this morning. And I I want to take you to two scriptures. And um, uh, they are one from the New Testament and then a main story, a story that I want to uh, drop into your hearts this morning um, that um, I just feel... Um, God has laid on my heart to share with you. So um, the first scripture is found in the book of Philippians in the New Testament. It's Philippians and chapter 4 and um, verse 19. I don't know if we can dim these spotlights. I'm getting blinded and I like to see the whites of the eyes of the people. So if you can dim those spotlights any, that would help me. No end. Um, So Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 and it says, And my God... Shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great scripture? Amen. Amen. Was it up on the screen for you? No. No? Okay. Well, I'm going to read it again. Uh, And oh, there it is. Come on, let's read it together. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't that a remarkable scripture? Wonderful scripture. Now let me read to you an Old Testament story. It's found in the book of Genesis. And I'm just going to read you the beginning of the story and then we'll come back to it towards the end of what I'm going to say to you this morning. But let's just read Genesis chapter 22 and we're going to begin reading at verse 1. I'll read this. You don't need to read it um, out loud, but you can follow along. And it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham... And said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering as on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off, and Abraham said to his young men, "Stay here with the donkey. the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you." So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering." That was an amazing moment of revelation that came uh, now to Abraham. And um, this moment of revelation was also given um, to um, Paul, the apostle, when he wrote those words that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, the moment of revelation for Abraham was this moment of saying that God is going to provide. It was a moment when Abraham had fixed in his mind that his God was the provider of all his need. In the Hebrew language, God being the provider is the word Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. And it's a wonderful word, it's a wonderful scripture, it's a wonderful name of God. It is a name given to God in the Old Testament. God is my provider. This morning I'm really praying that God will help me and also you to have a similar revelation to what Abraham and the Apostle Paul got. I am praying that you will leave this place this morning with absolute confidence that Jesus is your provider. Wow, as I'm looking out there, it's really thin this morning. There's not a lot of people here. I I think it's the hour, okay? So we'll clap everyone that comes in, okay, in about 15 minutes' time, thinking it's 9 (coughs) o'clock. But I need you to know as well that 150 of our young people and staff uh, are down in Carlinville. They've had an amazing weekend at our youth retreat and God has really broke in on them. And so there's 130 of them that are down there. So this morning I, I, I really feel that God wants to speak to you as an individual and he wants to prove to you that he is your provider. And so I want you to get out a pen and paper. I'm going to ask you to take a few things down that will help you as you begin to process this and get it into your mind. And the first thing that I want you to write down is this, I am not the provider. I am not the provider. You see, the thing that both Abraham and the Apostle Paul had come to see is this, that worry is sin okay now some of you in trouble out there because you're the biggest worriers on the face of the earth and now I have really really shot at something right across your bow but the fact is that the scriptures are clear that worry is sin in fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter six and verse twenty-five. He says, "Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor what you, you uh, not about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing?" So Jesus is saying, "Do not worry." See, the facts are these, friends. When it is that we now get into this place of worry, worry accuses God of not being truthful. And not only that, worry accuses God of not being faithful. When we are gripped by worry, we're actually saying to God, I know you promised not to let me down. I know you promised that I could depend on you. But but, um, God, I, I I know you've said that, but I'm not sure that you're truthful. And God, God, I I know that you said and you promised that you you would never leave me, that you would be my provider. But I am not promised, I I am not absolutely sure that you will be faithful to your promise. When we are worrying, we are saying, I I don't really believe in what you say in the word of God. I don't believe what you say in the Bible. I don't believe that you are being truthful. And so I'm going to carry on in my worry. Or or God, you know, I, I... I I know you've said all this stuff, but I don't know that you are faithful to your promises. I need to tell you this morning, friends, that worry lies to us. Worry lies to us. Worry comes along and says, It helps if you worry. It helps if you worry. But I want to tell you, friends, it's a lie. It never helps if you worry. It never, ever helps if you worry. You see, not only that, not only that, it is very important that you grasp this this morning because if you can't trust that God is your provider, you can't trust that he's your saviour. Oh, yeah. And not only that, not only that, but you come to the Word of God and, and now you go on from there. And if you, you can't trust Him to be your provider, uh, you can't trust Him to be your Savior. And, and also, then you can't trust Him to be your protector. Not, not only that, not only that, if you can't trust Him to be your provider, you can't trust Him, therefore, to be your Savior. You can't trust Him, therefore, to be your protector. You can't trust Him to guide the rest of your life. And so this whole area of believing what God is and that God is our provider. You see, if you can't trust him to be your provider, you can't trust him to be your savior, and you can't trust him to be your protector, and you can't trust him to be your guide, and not only that, friends, you'll get to the place where it is that now you will begin to believe that you have got to do a load of stuff in order to get you to heaven because you can't trust that God's going to get you to heaven. Wow. See, if you don't believe that Jesus is the provider of your eternal salvation, then you will begin to believe that you have to provide for your eternal salvation. And that now by good works and doing good charitable deeds and by doing all sorts of stuff, you are now going to be able to get to heaven. And and you fail to believe that it is that only Jesus is good enough. And, And now you begin to believe that you've got to do stuff to be good enough to get to heaven I want to tell you what I told a, 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 a radio um, commentator one day when he says, you know, I do all this stuff and I work hard and I help charity and I do this and I do that. And he says, surely I'm good enough. And I said, I'm sorry, you're not good enough to get to heaven. With all your goodness, you're not good enough. You see, friends, if we're going to get to heaven by being good enough, we're all sunk because none of us are good enough. We are relying on what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He provided our way to heaven by his death and resurrection. He has made a way for us one day to dwell with him forever in heaven. It is nothing that we have provided. He's provided the whole lot. It is all him. You see, he has provided... So that it is that we know that Jesus is our one and only way to heaven. No Jesus, no heaven. No death on the cross, eternal death for us. No resurrection from the dead, we are dead forever. We are in hell forever. So say it with me this morning if you will. Jesus is is. my provider. All right, Jesus is my provider. Here's the next thing that I need you to write down, if you will, friends. It is these words, I am the steward. I didn't ask you to say it, I asked you to write it down. (laughs) So I am not the provider, I am the steward. A steward in the Bible, if you will, is a manager of what has been given him or her to manage. A a steward is someone who has had something put into their hands and been told, you manage what I am putting into your hand. So Jesus is my provider. All I have to do is to manage what he provides me. Now, I'm going to tell you an Old Testament story that really illustrates this. And um, you you can read about it in Exodus chapter 16. And uh, it's a wonderful story of the children of Israel. About two to three million of them, when you get to Exodus chapter 16, they're wandering in a wilderness. They were on their way from being slaves in Egypt to a land of promise. They were on their way from being slaves to now being in a land that they would call their own. It would be known as the promised land. If you will, they were in between. They were in between leaving their old life and now getting to their new life. And they're wandering in this wilderness. Their old life has been left behind and this new life was looming up ahead. And now they come to this place where they are moving along. How many know we're all in the in-betweens? We're in between where we were and where we are intended to be. We're, we're moving forward. This is not all that there is. <laughs> How many are glad of that this morning? You say, well, with my life as it has been in the past, I, 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 I am so thrilled that it's not always going to be like this, that, that we're going to get somewhere in the end. We're in this in-between time. Uh, and, and this is not all that there is. Anyway... These children of Israel, two to three million of them, were in this wilderness. But the only problem was in a wilderness, there was not much food. <laughs> and, and, and they were hungry. They even began to remember the slave's food that they had in the old life and they began to say we were better off then and they did what we would do as well. They were in the place of having no food and so they just complained. So God did this miraculous thing. He provided food for them. The story in the scripture says that every morning when they got up, they would look out of their tent, and there was food lying on the ground. It, it was miraculous. Every morning when they got up, there was food lying on the ground. The Bible says that, that, that it was a bread-like food, and, and actually it puts it this way, it, 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 it looked like wafers and it tasted like honey, that's what this food was and, and they looked at it and, and and they called it manna. Do you know what the word manna means? It means, what is it? That's exactly what that word means. The word manna, they looked on this food and they said, what is it? And that's what they called it from that then on out. They never found out what it was but they enjoyed it. It was manna. God provided it. And um, it was amazing because not only did he provide it, now he also tells them you've got to manage it. And he gives them some detailed instructions. This food came with details on, uh, instructions on the package. Well, not really that way, but but God gave them instructions on how they were to gather this food. And the instructions was that this food would be delivered every day of the first six days of the week. And it would come and, and the Sunday through Thursday. And on those days they would gather enough for their family for that day. No more, no less. And so they would, would get up in the morning, they would have to gather this food, uh, enough for their family for that day. Now if one of them and I'm sure this happened if one of them said, Do you, "You know, "Tomorrow morning," they put in the clocks forward, I think I'm going to I, I, I think I'm going to uh, just stay in bed, and, and today I'm going to gather enough for two days. But this is what happened. If they gathered enough for two days, the second day's bread, it says in the scripture, the second day's bread would have rotted in the night and worms and maggots would be going through it. You see, friends, God promises, I will provide for you today. Let me take care of tomorrow, I'll take care of tomorrow, but you've got to carry out the instructions. And so it was that, that it was that Sunday through Thursday, they would get up and gather enough food for the day. They knew that the way they had to manage it was to just take in enough for that day. They couldn't get two days or three days worth of the bread. They just had to get enough for today. They had to do what they were told. But then God said this. this is a remarkable thing. He says He says, "On Friday. When you get up there'll be more bread and I want you to gather enough for 2 days. See, see God God didn't work on the Sabbath. If you like that's his Sunday. Uh, and, and he said, now, I, I, I'm not going to work on, on Sunday, and you are not going to work on Sunday. I don't even want you working to gather bread. So he says, uh, and there Sunday went from 6 o'clock on Friday night to 6 o'clock on Saturday night. He says, so uh, I want to tell you that on, uh, when you gather the bread on Thursday, there'll be enough for two days. And the miracle was, friends, that on those two days, the bread never went off. It never got maggots in it. Everything was Okay. <laughs> (laughs) Isn't that a miraculous thing? So, if I gather two two days' worth of bread on Monday, on Tuesday, that second day's piece of bread will have got maggots in. But if I gather two days of bread on Friday or Thursday, then the fact is that I will keep it for two days and it'll never go off. That was the miraculous power of God. But but listen, this is what I want you to get: they had to follow the instructions. They had to do what they were told. They had to see that the instructions were carried out to the absolute letter. I want you to get this. I want you to see this morning that for you to know the provision of God in your life, for me to know the provision of God in my life, I have to carry out the instructions of the Word of God to the letter. I, I, I can't make up the instructions. I can't do what I like with the instructions. I have to follow the instructions if I'm going to know God is my provider to the letter. You see, when you think of your life, it it all comes down to God, doesn't it? Uh, The fact is that it is God who provides our life. It is God who provides our food. It is God who provides our health. It is God who provides our income. Uh, And let me tell you, the poorest person here today, the poorest person in this building today is still richer than the majority of the world. Okay. Okay. It's an absolute fact. Not only that, but Jesus, God in the flesh, provided our eternal salvation. He has provided our future home in heaven. He is our supreme provider. Now he says, if you want to know my blessing in your life if you want to know my supreme provision, if you want to know my miraculous touch, if you want to see me working in your finances, you must do it my way. That's what God says. He says, you, you can't do it your way, you must do it my way. And so we go to the scripture and we say, God, what is your way of handling finances? And it's very clear. The first thing that God wants us to understand in doing things His way is this. When we get our income, when our income comes in uh, from whatever source, the fact is this. The first 10% of our income belongs to God. You're looking at me shocked. No, it's in there, I promise you. He says, this is the way of doing finance my way. This is the way of handling your finance my way. The first 10% of your income belongs to me. He says, I'm going to let you keep 90% of your income. And and you you are going to uh, be able to do with that uh, just as you will. But the first 10% of your income is for me. It's so that I can extend my kingdom on earth. It's so that I can now begin to get the message out to the planet. You are joining in my mission. You are joining in my mission to reach a lost world with the news that Jesus is. And he says, I want you to set aside 10% of your income. And some of you are nearly having heart failure just at the thought of it. Sounds like a huge commitment, John. 10% of my income. But think of it this way. If God says, if you follow my instructions, I'm going to miraculously supply your need. If you follow my instructions, I am going to see and shock you by what I do to provide for you. And friends, when you realize that God, the holder of the universe, now comes on your side and he says, as you follow my instructions, as you give me 10% and you keep the 90%, he says, I'm going to cause you to see miraculous things happen. You know, someone said to me recently, I don't really have a peace about making such a big commitment to God As to give 10% or a tithe of my income. I don't have a piece about that. Well, you know, I don't know whether it was God or me, but I I said, Well, I'm shocked to hear you say that. I, I said, Because you had a piece about making a commitment to a 30 year mortgage. And you had a piece about making a commitment to a five-year commitment to a brand new car and paying that monthly. You had a piece about that. You didn't worry about that so much. And you're telling me you don't have a piece about making 10%, that's 10 cents in the dollar commitment to God who provides you with everything else that you've got on the face of the earth. I said, I don't understand that. You know, it's the devil's lie to make you think that you can't afford to make this kind of commitment to God. See, the fact is this, the devil doesn't want Jesus' church to be progressing. The devil doesn't want the church... That he's now rescuing a lost planet to advance and to push back the kingdom of darkness. The devil doesn't want God to be getting more and more of a hold on the earth. He wants the church to struggle. He wants it to struggle in doing what it's doing in the locality and then struggle with what it's doing throughout the the face of the earth in missions work. He, He wants that to happen and so he fills our hearts with worry and anxiety and he tells us you can't. Can't afford to give 10% of your income. How dare they ask for that? How dare they expect that when all the time we are not expecting it. It is God who is saying, I want to provide for you, but if I'm going to provide for you, you have to do it my way. I nearly sung that then. <laughs> Don't believe his lies, friends. You're better off to handle the money God's way than to handle it your way. You know, there's only five things that we can do with our money. The first thing that we can do is that we can spend it. And in America, we're really good at that. Or you can save it. And we recommend that you do that. It's it's. A good and wise thing to save your money. And, that, and then, of course, you can invest it. Uh, and that's not a bad thing either, as long as you know what you're doing and you invest it. How, how many know the fourth thing you can do with your money is waste it? You can waste your money. And then the fifth thing that you can do with your money is this invest it in God's kingdom. Oh yeah, friends, I want to tell you, that is the best thing that you can do with your money. The devil will lie to you and say that God's kingdom is not a safe place to invest your money. It's a lie from the pit of hell. You know, friends, I have a check in my pocket that's going to go into the offering this morning that is now uh, 40 years, nearly uh, 50 years on from first starting to say, God, I want to handle my money your way. And I stand before you today to say that he has never let me down. He has never failed me. He has always come through. And I have found, friends, that my 90%... In God's hands go further than the 100% in my hands. It's God who is in control. I've seen him do miracles because I've been faithful in giving. I've seen him do miracles in other people's lives because I've invested my money into the kingdom of God. And I've seen him do remarkable things throughout the world because of the investment of my money into his kingdom. Not only that, I have seen him work miracles on my behalf when I didn't know how I was going to get through. God has come through for me in miraculous ways. In fact, in fact, let me stop you quickly. Uh, You know, by that clock, it's just seven minutes past nine. We're all right. Um, you know, just before service, not knowing what I was going to say, uh, Julie and Jerry down here shared a, a story with me. And I, I, can you give him a mic and come up here, Jerry, if you will? And um, I, 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 I don't, I don't look at what people give. I don't look at the accounts. I don't look at the. I, I I feel it would affect my way of um, pastoring if I knew what people give. If you give a lot of money, I might be tempted to look after you more than someone who don't give a lot of money. So I don't look at the list. I don't know what people give. But I do know that Jerry and Julie are faithful people to God. So I know that they believe in this principle. I want you to just tell the story of what's happened, uh, if you will.
1: This is exciting because... As he said, as Pastor John said, we had no idea what he was going to be talking about. But I'm here to confirm that everything he said is true, and we are flesh and blood to confirm it. Uh, the approximately one week before Christmas of 2012, I received official word that the position I had at, had at Caterpillar had been eliminated. Okay, Caterpillar's firm to work for. They provided a, an avenue of taking care of us in that I had six months to find another job. Otherwise, if I didn't find one within six months, then I'd be on the street. Okay, But they also provided help. And, uh, but a caveat to that help was that I had to be prepared uh, to take a position and, and, and take the first position that was offered even if it was two salary grades below the position that I had before so you know my attitude is you know two salary grades less is better than no job so I did due diligence and uh, around the I don't remember exactly march of 2013 I was offered a job at the two salary grades less once again you know, Julie and I said, "Well, you know, a bird in hand is worth, you know, two in the bush." And uh, first of all, he provided me with a job that is that suited my personality and my skills very well. And I, I remember sitting down with my supervisor and signing an agreement that said, "Well, first of all, they protected my my original salary grade for a full year." And so I signed an agreement that said May of this year, May of 2014, my salary would drop to salary grades, okay? Now, my wife is a very good money manager. You know, I spend it, she saves it. You know, that's how our marriage works. A couple weeks ago, uh, I was just having a, you know, a typical one-on-one with my supervisor, And she says, "Uh, "Did you get this email?" And I said, "I have no idea what you're talking about." Because, so no, the answer is no. To make a long, very long story short, somehow, some way, HR decided that they are going to continue to administer my salary, even though I'm working at at now two salary grades below where I am today, or where I was. Uh, I they are going to continue to administer my salary at the original level. And of course, you know, annually, <laughs> give God the praise. I had nothing to do with it, and, and I, I, you know, my knowledge was the only way I'm going to get back up to that salary was to, to get a promotion, okay? I hadn't been looking for one, because I had learned through God's school of hard knocks that if he wants you promoted, the opportunity will come to you. Yes. And that he has proven that time and time again. Amen. So to make again, I have no idea how it happened. You know, if it's policy change or just whatever, but it happened. Praise God. And we have nothing to do but to praise God for a miracle. Amen. Thank you.
0: Praise God. So I know that Julie and Jerry, they are faithful in their doing it God's way. And see, God comes through. I was absolutely shocked when he told me the story this morning and said, we need to hear that. You see, the fact is this, I am not the provider. I am the steward. I only have to do it his way to know his provision. So here's the last thing I want you to write down. And and, and you'll, you'll get it right away. It's this. Jesus is my provider. So we've said, haven't we, I am not the provider, I am the steward, I am to do what he tells me to do with the money that he puts into my hand. I am to now carry out his detailed instructions if I'm going to be fed. You know, the children of Israel, I forgot to tell you this, the children of Israel followed the instructions of God with regard to the manna, and you know how many years he fed them in the wilderness? He fed them for 40 years in the wilderness because they carried out the instructions to the letter. And I want to tell you, friends having followed Jesus now for 50 years, I have found when I live according to the book and I do what he tells me to do, he comes through because Jesus is my provider. Amen. Hallelujah. So Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, 19, My God, my God, yes, my God shall supply all your need. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now let's bring this all together by going back to that story that was told right at the beginning, where we talked about Abraham being now challenged by God to take his son up the mountain and to now sacrifice. and And, it, and, and note that God said, "This your son, your only son, on an altar on." And listen. If you read that story and you really study it out, it's a remarkable story. Here was Abraham the father, now asked to sacrifice his son on a mountain range, which is the same mountain range that Jesus died on. You see, the difference between the story of Abraham and God the father is that Abraham, when he got to the moment... Of plunging the knife into his son as a sacrifice in obedience to God, God stopped him. When God the Father had his son on the same mountain and now it was a sacrifice for our sins, he never stopped the knife and the knife went into Jesus and he died in our place. That is the remarkable Jesus that we love and serve. He's on the same mountain range. need to note that when Abraham took his son up that mountain to sacrifice him to God, he was being totally obedient to God's way. He never questioned. When God said, take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him for me, he never questioned. He moved with total obedience to God's way. He set out to do to the letter God's plan. A little key to the thinking of Abraham is seen when Isaac said to him, I see that we have wood for the fire and we have fire uh, uh, here and, 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 and uh, we have this altar that we're going to build. And, but where's the lamb that we're going to offer? I wondered if Isaac had a little inkling, there's something fishy going on here. But the fact was that, that now he answers, Jehovah Jireh Isaac. God, our provider, he will provide himself a lamb... And so he now moved in obedience and simply trusted the provider. The New Testament book of Hebrews puts it this way, that Abraham believed as he went up that mountain and as he laid his son on the altar, he believed that even if he had put the knife into his son's chest, that God was able to raise his son from the dead. He said, I trust God. He is my provider. And even if I sacrifice him here, I believe in God so much that I believe he can and raise him from the dead. He only set out to do what God said to the letter. That's the kind of thinking and trust that God looks for from us, his children. When he asks us to set aside the first 10% of our income to give back to him, He wants us to believe that he can now work in our lives so that we do more with the 90% than we could ever have done with the 100%. He wants us to believe that he will do miraculous things to provide our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We believe that when we follow his instructions, the word of God, he will come through for us in unbelievable ways. He will send money from unexpected sources or he will make the 90% stretch in ways that we never thought was possible. And many of us have known and seen that we have seen that we have spent our money on what was necessary to be spending it on and and we've kept giving to God and we said we don't know what's happening but this 90% is stretching to over 100%. There are miraculous things happening in our lives. believe that he will come through for us. While Abraham believed and obeyed as he built the stones for the altar that he would sacrifice his son on. Abraham believed and obeyed as he laid his son on that altar. You know, it's a remarkable story of a likeness to Jesus. Isaac was said to be round about 30 years of age, 33 years of age, when, when Abraham laid him on that altar. It's a remarkable likeness to Jesus because uh, the truth is that Isaac could have, uh, could have just beat his father up. He had the strength to beat his old father up. Remember, Abraham didn't have until he was 99. And the fact was that now he was laying him on this altar, but the son laid himself on the altar. It reminds us of Jesus who never, never flinched and never turned away from going right through to do the Father's will. And so Isaac is laid on that altar... And he is believing and obeying his Abraham. And now he lifts the knife to plunge into his son's chest in obedience to God. When he hears that God speaks to him and says, now I believe you love me and will do anything for me and will trust me with every part of your life. Do not harm your son. And he was held back from slaying his son. And then the scripture says in verse 13 of Genesis 22, then Abram lifted his eyes and looked and there behold, behind him, a ram was caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abram went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. God miraculously provided the ram. And Abram proved what he'd already thought in his mind and said in faith, Jehovah, Jira, my provider. God is my provider. And God wants us in the same place, friends. He wants us in this place that we're saying we are going to do what he says in his word and we're going to trust him with the rest of our lives. We're going to say that he's in control. That even if companies come and say you've been demorted, you're going to get two times less than what you have. We're going to hold on to God. We've been faithful to God. We've given to God. We will trust in the name of the Lord. And then miraculously and and, and shockingly, and even shockingly maybe to the boss, I guarantee that his boss couldn't believe what he was doing or saying when he says, even though you're in a job that has got two grades less, in wage we are going to keep your wage at what it was that is a miracle from God friends that is God moving in for us when you put your life into the hands of God and you say we're going to carry out your word to the letter every time you put that 10% into the blue bucket as we call it here or you do it online or however you give it is saying this Jesus anything you want me to do I will do I'm going to live according to your word. I'm going to live according to the book. I'm going to carry out to the letter your will. You are my provider. I'm not going to trust in caterpillar. I'm not going to trust in OSF. I'm not going to trust in this company or that company. My source is God. Uh, you know, people have come to me over the years and they said, "You better watch what you're saying from that pulpit. You better watch what you are in John King because we pay your wage." <laughs> and I've come back. and, And I've said to people, I've said, hey, listen, if you stop giving today, and if all the church stop giving today, you are not my source. God is my source. I am going to follow his word. I'm going to give according to his word, because Jesus is my provider. He is the great provider. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Rose, you bless me. I wish you were all black. You would have been up on your feet then and clapping and shouting. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. As you came in this morning, you were given one of these cards. Tithe plus five. The word tithe just means 10%. I've kept away from saying tithe. I've just thought it'd be easier for you to understand to say 10%. That's what the word tithe means. It means 10%. And then we said tithe plus five. As the elders met this week and we looked at our giving patterns and uh, begin to look ahead and believe what would come in until the end of this year, we saw that by the end of 2014, we're going to end up in the red. I don't believe that's the will of God for us. We have to face facts. You know, at, at this point in my message, I was going to say, now turn the videos off. I just wanna to talk to Riverside people, but you may be Riverside people watching this online, listen to it online. You, you may not be Riverside people, but you need to hear this for your church as well as our church here at Riverside. You know, Riverside is a church. We are a church. We are here in the will of God as a church. But actually, we're more than a church, we're also a corporation. Together with the Dream Center, we employ 49 people here at Riverside. So, every week I I go to prayer, praying that God will provide enough money to pay the 49 people that we have on staff here working either at the Dream Center or at Riverside. You know what happens, friends, (laughs) we lose a Sunday because of snow. I don't know whether you realize this, that when we lose a Sunday because of snow, we lose something like $20,000. Some of you keep giving, but some of you say, oh, I've missed a week. I've got an extra week's money to keep in my pocket. We lose about 20,000 people when we can't have service. And people ask me why I leave it so late before canceling service when there's snow about It's a huge decision that I have to make. Well, we've lost one Sunday because of the weather. And then many of you stayed home last Sunday because the news media frightened you. We'd rather you be safe, to be honest. But we have to still try and keep things moving forward here. You know, Riverside, I don't know whether you know this, but Riverside is the main giver to the Dream Center. We give over $100,000 a year to keep the Dream Center open and to keep ministering and keeping the housing shelter going, the overnight um, housing shelter and then the transitional housing that's there at the Dream Center and then all these programs that run out to the inner city people of this city and beyond. And Riverside gives like crazy to that. I don't know whether you realize as well that... Around the world there are missionaries and national workers that are spreading the gospel and they are relying, some of them, solely on what we give from Riverside. Because we believe here that we should not keep the money in a bank account to dry up and rot. We, we, we believe we've got to be very, very careful in how we handle the money, but we don't want to build up a big fund of money just to lie in the bank when the world needs saving and people need blessing. And so we send money around the world every month. You know, being a downtown church is very difficult. Last year we had the Peoria Marathon. That Sunday we lost nearly $30,000 because we closed our doors on obedience to the city. They told us we couldn't open, the streets would all be closed. They had planned another marathon this year and they're telling us the same thing. Over the past five years, we've given away some of our best givers to start churches in Morton, to open the Oaks Church and also now to see Washington up and running. Thank God, you know, Dave Jane over in Washington doing a remarkable job. I was meeting with him last week, and um, last weekend, or the weekend before last, they baptized 23 people, and there were 400 people in church. Isn't that a remarkable thing? Now, all this I'm saying to you is not to complain, but to lay the picture out before you. That, that not only are we coming to you and saying we are trusting in our finances that God is our provider, we are trusting in God being our provider as a church. And, and, and as we began to pray about this, Uh, it it was felt that I needed to remind you about God's way of giving because there are a lot of people who have not grasped that yet. There's not a a lot of people that's doing that yet. But the fact is that God wants to bless your life. And and I want to tell you, He blesses your life when you do it His way. He says, I'll be your provider. And then when you put that 10% aside... It's not to do with it as you like. It's not to say, well, I'm a little bit short this week, so I'm not going to put so much in, or I'm not going to put it in this week because I need it here. No, you can't do that. You've put it aside for God. You said, God, I'm going to do it to the letter. I'm giving it to you. And in the same way you are believing God like that, we are believing God as a church We're believing that as we're faithful to give and to not hoard, and as we're faithful to share and not keep it for ourselves, that God is going to come through for us. Listen, friends, I said the danger is that we'll be in the red at the end of the year. I am believing God. I'm standing on the authority of God's word and saying that will not happen. We will be in the black, and we will have money left to give away. Amen. I'm believing God for that. Why the tithe plus five? Well, the thought is this that if we all would tithe, or if we do tithe, that we continue to tithe, or if we don't tithe, that we begin to tithe, and then every one of us would give five dollars more every time we put our tithe in, whether that's weekly or monthly. Uh, that you will give an extra $5 a month. We will finish the year in the black. All right, so we we want to challenge you this morning that you will now continue to do what God says. And now, because there are people who don't give, there are people who can't give maybe, there are people who um, refuse to give, that now we will all step up to the plate and we will say, we're going to give $5 more, that's $10 per couple, every time we tithe, we're going to put another 5 another 10 in, that means you won't be able to have a Starbucks that week, you won't be able to, uh, well, I don't know what you do, but... but each is going in on top of my tithe. By the time we get to the end of the year, we will make it. Now, I'm believing this. I believe that God is asking you and me right now: Will you trust me? Will you trust me as your provider? You know, I've set it up so that I give online. I go onto the website and I give online. And now I'm going over, but forgive me. Um, And and I I went back to check my account and and I found that online, you've got to set it up at the beginning of the year to go through to the end of the year. So here I am in, in, in the beginning of March and I'm thinking, brother, I've got a lot of money in my account. And then I found out that they hadn't been taking it out from the church thing because I'd not set it up at the beginning of the year. You've got to set it up anew at the beginning of the year. And so this morning, I've got a big check to go in because I'm not going to miss doing what I know is right. I'm not going to miss it, I'm going to make it up and now I've set it up so that my money will go out every month as normal and and I'm doing it because I believe this. I'm not only preaching it, I believe it and I do it and I'm not only telling you this because it's in the Word of God, I'm telling you this because I love you and I want you to be blessed in your finances. I want you to have more than enough because this God is a provider who comes through and He gives more than enough. He meets our need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He gave us Christ Jesus, friends. I want to tell you, he is more than enough. And when he blesses you, he does that. So uh, we're going to take up our tithes and offerings right now. And you, uh, yeah, thank God. So the challenge is this. The challenge is this. Will you obey God? You say, You know, Abram said, I've only got one son. He's my only son. And God said, I want you to sacrifice your one and only. And you may say, I've hardly got anything. God says, trust me. Just do what I say and trust me. And, and, And watch me come through for you. Watch me meet your need. According to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so if you've never tithed, or if you're here and you're saying, who do I make this out to? Make it out to Riverside Community Church Market Tithe, or 10%, or whatever, and let's give to God. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, we're going to do things a little different because I really want you to um, have this sense of giving as a sacrifice that is saying, God, I'm going to trust you with the rest of my life. I'm going to ask these to um, the ushers to just stand at the front here. I'm going to pray now, and then I want you to come and bring your tithe and put it into the bucket as these people stand at the front. All right? I've asked them to hold onto the buckets in case someone tries to steal them. But the thing is, <laughs> I I believe that this can be a great offering where you're being obedient to God, and you you may become insane. I've got, it's very little that I'm putting in. God's God's only saying. Trust me now. Obey me now and trust me now. See if I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. He wants to do that. And so right now, will you follow me as I I put my tie check in? Will you get up now and come? Let's give to God. Let's give a sacrificial gift to God right now. If you're in the balcony, There are people up there, but boy, it'd be great for you to come to the altar. Bring it right down to him.